0: welcome everyone to monday match analysis i'm gil gross and it is time for a preview of the 2024 australian open man that those words just feel good to say i am so pumped for the first major of the year if you are new to the channel we will go quarter by quarter i will give you a dark horse that's an unseeded player i think is most likely to go deep i will give you upset alerts that is a seated player who i think is most likely to lose early early popcorn match. That is either a first or a second round matchup that I feel very strongly you should watch. I will be intrigued by these matchups. And of course, quarterfinal predictions, who I think will make the semis, final weekend prediction, who I think will make the final, and who I believe will win this Australian Open. That is all ahead. A couple of things I wanted to say off the top. First of all, got a lot of questions about where is the Australian Open Power Rankings. Got a lot of that. There have never been Australian Open Power Rankings. Maybe I'll start next year because it seems like people want them. But I've always thought, what's the point? Because we don't really have a lot of results to work off of. A lot of the top players, they'll play no lead-ins. And then the players who do play lead-ins, a lot of the times it's just, It's just one, one week, a couple of matches. So, um, I've never done Australian open power rankings, but maybe I'll do it next year. I also want to talk about the balance of the draw before I get into this quarter by quarter who got a tough draw. So how do we look at this? If you're a top four seed, you're a top four seed and you're separated from the other top four seeds, obviously. Who are the guys outside of the top four that you really don't want to see? Well, here's who I think those players are. Holger Runa, he landed in Medvedev's quarter. Grigor Dimitrov, he landed in Medvedev's quarter. Alexander Zverev, he landed in Alcaraz's quarter. I don't think Yannick Sinner has one of those players that you don't want to see. In fact, I only came up with those three that I just said, Runa, Dimitrov, Zverev. But I do think it's the deepest quarter. I think there's the most depth there which sometimes matters, sometimes doesn't, because depth, they play each other, and then they knock each other out. But I think that's worth mentioning. Seven out of the eight seeds in that quarter, to me, are viable uh, quarter finalists. So it's deep, but I don't think it's that strong necessarily. Uh, and then, you know, Djokovic is the guy I, I haven't mentioned here. I, I do think it's a, a favorable quarter for Djokovic, but it's not as if he won the lottery. Pass has a great history in Melbourne. Shelton made the semifinals at the last hard court major. He has those guys. But ultimately, I'll say two things, big picture. I think it's a pretty balanced draw. And I think if there's one guy whose semifinal chances took the hardest hit on Thursday when the draw came out, the answer to me is Daniil Medvedev. To me, he's the loser of the draw because he has two guys in Runa and Dimitrov who I I really think the top four seeds should have all been hoping that they land somewhere else, not in their quarter. All right. I think we're ready to go with all of that said. Let us begin with the number one seed with Novak Djokovic's quarter. Top seeds are Djokovic, Tsitsipas, Fritz, Shelton, Manorino, Sarindolo, Musetti, and Echeverry. Just want to say, how times change. Just one year ago, crazy to think about this, Rafael Nadal was the number one seed at the Australian Open. It's only one year ago. My dark horses here are Gael Monfils and Borna Goyo. My upset alert is Ben Shelton, and my early popcorn matchup is Stefanos Tsitsipas versus Matteo Berrettini in round one. So let's run through this, beginning with the dark horses. I think Monfils is pretty inarguably the best player among the unseeded's in this quarter. You look at what he did on hard court after Wimbledon last season, 14 and seven record, I think three or four top 20 wins. So that's the name that stands out. And also for these older guys, I like them more in the beginning of the season when there's less wear and tear on the body. At the same time, you look at his third round, Novak Djokovic, you know, Mofis is Novak Djokovic's pigeon. So I forced myself here to say, okay, we need a dark horse on the bottom section of this quarter because ultimately what I'm trying to do with these dark horses is find an unseeded player who I think can make the fourth round, who I think can make the quarters, maybe the semis, but uh, it's rare that I pick an unseeded player at a major with 32 seeds to the semifinals. I don't know if I've ever done that. Um, so I look at the bottom half and I, I land on Borna who started this year 0-2, so it's it's certainly not the form. It's, it's the potential. You know, the serve that he possesses, and I know colder conditions, I don't think the serves are going to really be helped by that, but best serve outside the top 50, possibly. I think he might have that title if you take Nick Kyrgios out of that. Uh, he is entering his prime at 25 years old after his career best season made the fourth round of the. US open last year and that's an experience that I think should really help him if he gets hot if he's able to you know keep the ball in the court which is sometimes tough for Goyo to do dangerous player. And among all of the unseeded players in the bottom half, that's the name that stands out to me as somebody who can make a run. Roberto Carballas baino would be his first round match. I do want to shout out a couple of other people in this quarter. Alexander Shevchenko made a big jump last year and could have made another jump in this offseason because he's a 23-year-old who's been improving. And he played great on indoor hard courts after the US Open last year. So Shevchenko was a guy I gave some thought. Uh, Marin Cilic is in here making his comeback. You know, you could give him the benefit of the doubt just because he's Marin Cilic, but I don't really see it. Hasn't won a match in a year. And Matteo Berrettini is another guy. He hasn't played since the U S open. And I'll talk about him a little bit more when I talk about the popcorn match. So I'll save my thoughts on him. Upset alert, Ben Shelton. This mostly comes down to just the mental side. You know, this is new for Shelton and look big picture. I really like his mental makeup. I think he shows up in big matches very consistently. He backs himself. He's got a swagger and a confidence. But uh, it's not easy to to kind of, for the first time, defend big points. He's literally never done that in his career before. And that can be an adjustment. He might go deep in Auckland this week. In fact, I think he probably will go deep in Auckland. Get to Melbourne a little bit late. Cooler temps will hurt his serve. But also, this is a lot about his first-round opponent in Roberto Batista Good, who I don't think is a dark horse to, to go deep. I think he'll have a setback. I don't think he has much left physically, to be completely honest. But this is the first round of the first slam. That's where we could see a guy like RBA just play one of his better matches and use his veteran savvy, be, be more steady. Uh, he's definitely going to ask a lot of questions of Shelton, and I, you know, he'll probably attack that lefty backhand pretty well. Um, the constant for Bautista Agut throughout his career is he plays his best tennis in January at the start of the year. Career record at the Australian Open is phenomenal. He is twenty-two and twelve lifetime at this event, despite you know never making you know really deep splashy runs. He just does really well in the early rounds. So I think RBA's dangerous opener for Shelton, even if he comes off of a really big run in Auckland. Second round would be a little bit less dangerous, but not a non-factor. Christian Gareen, former top 20 player, Christopher O'Connell, Aussie who actually peaks at a really high level. Good, good weapons in Christopher O'Connell. And then I also want to shout out Lorenzo Musetti, who I, I didn't go with upset alert, but he would be kind of the easy pick. He is 8-16 on hard court in the last year. His loss against Bublik in Adelaide, which I watched last night, was one of the most brutal losses I've ever seen. Served for the match, but also had as easy a volley at deuce 5-6 as you will ever see, and somehow missed it wide. I, I mean, that's a tough one to recover from. That said... First of all, I thought it was kind of too much of a layup pick. Benjamin Bonzi, great draw for Musetti. Bonzi got hurt last year. Hasn't won a match tour level since October. So I kind of left that one alone. Moving on to the popcorn match. Pass versus Berrettini. Uh, Stefanos is the defending finalist. He comes into this year facing some real questions similar to Medvedev last year. Is he going to bounce back? Or is he in a decline? Berrettini, on the other hand, not far removed from back-to-back top 10 seasons. He's made the semis here before. So theoretically, there's some danger here for Pas, who again is defending finalist points. And while I'm very intrigued to see this match, I must say, I fully expect Pass to win it. It is true that big serves can trouble him. It is also true that he is excellent at attacking weaker right-handed backhands, which Berrettini certainly falls into that category. I think as long as Pass makes some returns, he's got such a massive advantage in the movement department. He's going to dominate in the points. And boy, I, I can't say I have a lot of faith in Berrettini to be near his best. I mean, I needed to see him play a lead-in event. And the fact that there was another injury in Brisbane, which stripped away his ability to play before this Australian Open, that's concerning, especially because... When you travel all the way to Australia at start of the year, you don't want to leave without playing a match. So I, I would say even if Berrettini's like 80%, he's still probably going to just play through whatever injury he has. I, I'm worried that he doesn't come in and really have his best stuff um, in this match. Hopefully he doesn't. It's a great match. Still a popcorn match given just the intrigue factor. All right, quarterfinal prediction in Novak Djokovic's quarter is Djokovic defeats Taylor Fritz. That's right. I have more faith in Fritz than I do Stefanos Tsitsipas. And I do project that as a fourth round match. But when it comes to Stefanos, I just don't know what kind of preparation he's had with the back injury. I don't, I'm not confident that he's ready to play at a top 10 level with the back injury and given given everything we've seen in the last year. So obviously, you know, we're not coming off of a great year. And in terms of what is going to give me faith that it's going to be better right off the bat in 2024, well, to know that his offseason was affected in a big way by a physical issue, boy, it just doesn't give me confidence. I I don't know how else to put it. Not to mention Fritz. If you look at their head-to-head, Last two, five setter at the Australian Open in 2022. Some of you may remember, I picked Taylor Fritz to upset CT pass in that Australian Open. Got a ton of crap for that prediction. I always get a ton of crap when I pick anything good for Fritz. I don't know why. Um, a lot of the time I'm I'm right. Um, but he should have won that match. Taylor lost a five setter, had tons of chances. Was terrible in the nerves department. Just terrible nerve management. And Tsitsipas won it in five. Then they played in Monte Carlo. Coincidentally, another tournament where I predicted big things for Fritz. Fritz dominated Tsitsipas in that match. Won in straight sets. That was on clay. Yes, there was physical issue for Tsitsipas. Right shoulder wasn't quite recovered from that injury. Uh, But certainly Taylor knows he can beat Stefanos. And he plays him really well. And I just think Fritz with uh, also the, the mental the mental stuff at the majors, hopefully behind him, because at least he, he did make the U.S. Open quarterfinals. So he was on a really bad run of taking upset losses at majors. That run is over. That should help him mentally in the early rounds. Best surfaces, hardcourt. Yeah, I, I trust Fritz more than Pass here. As for Djokovic, Uh, I see Manorino as his fourth-round opponent, as opposed to Ben Shelton. I think that'll be nicer for Novak anyway. He's such a good low-ball hitter. It kind of takes away one of Adrian's best attributes. Uh, As for Djokovic versus Fritz, uh, typically this has been just a listless head-to-head. I don't think Taylor really has any ideas against Novak, to be completely honest. It seems like the mindset for Fritz is just to do the same thing that that he always does and has always done— and just hope it's his day, you know, hope something changes. I'm not going to do the whole definition, definition of insanity cliche here because it's a lot more complicated in a tennis match. But it really does feel like, man, if I never saw another Fritz versus Djokovic match, I, I wouldn't be too upset about it. It just hasn't brought really anything to the table. And my bet is that nothing changes here and that it is a supremely comfortable match for, for Djokovic. I don't know maybe we get surprised but that is what i would uh that is what i would predict the wrist is i guess a storyline coming into this australian open for novak Djokovic. you know 10 what what is he at 10 10 or so days 11 12 maybe days maybe 12 days to recover from that wrist thing it's actually a pretty long time and uh it's not like it didn't seem like he you know, structurally damaged his wrist in in any way that was going to be super concerning. So, not worried about the wrist. Djokovic in Australia, enough said. Let's go on to Yannick Sinner's quarter. The number four seed, I I believe this is the first time, it must be the first time that Yannick Sinner is a top four seed at a major, and uh, rightly so. Top seeds here are Sinner, Rublev, Demonor, Hatchinov, Tiafo, Jari, Baez, and Korda. My dark horse here is Matteo Arnaldi. My upset alert is Sebastian Baez. My early popcorn is Demonor versus Raunich in round number one. Matteo Arnaldi. I love this guy. I think he's great. He's got no holes. I love his mental game. Effort on every point, really strong focus. He thinks through tactics. There's enough. There's enough there in terms of weapons where he's not just a total, I don't know, hardworking grinder. Like he's got a big forehand. He he volleys. Um, he he's willing to take risks and be aggressive when opportunities present themselves. So look, he doesn't have a great draw. You know, is right there. We know Demonor is playing great tennis, especially in Australia. But if he can drag Demon into a war, I think he has at least the mental makeup to actually go toe-to-toe with him, stay with him in the endurance department and in the you know the mental department. Um, you know, Arnaldi, he's actually very inexperienced on hard court, but he's already found consistency. Him and Goyo, I I feel kind of silly picking two of the guys who made U.S. Open runs to the fourth round, but Arnaldi's another who made a surprise run at the U.S. Open, and let's not kid ourselves, that helps. To know you can do it, to be like, yeah, last hardcourt major, I made the second week, that helps. So, Arnaldi, to me, is the best unseeded player in this quarter, and despite the bad draw, I got to pick him as my dark horse. Upset alert, Sebastian Baez is kind of an easy one. Baez seems to be incredibly streaky, and right now it's a five-match losing streak. The constant in Baez's, Baez's career is when he gets on these runs of poor form, it's hard for him to dig himself out of it. And especially on hard court, we've seen the confidence go the other way. Then it seems like he wins a match and makes the final or wins a title. Like he hasn't, for his age, he has an exceptional number of finals and titles, but he also has an exceptional number of first round losses. So with that, J.J. Wolf in the first round, pretty dangerous first round opponent. Bias is on upset alert. I really like the other seeds in this quarter. As I mentioned I'm at the top, I feel like the depth in this quarter is better than all of the others. And when I say that, I'm looking at Korda being the lowest seed, Nicholas Jari being someone I like, Tiafo, who's made a hardcourt semifinal um, at major, major hardcourt semifinal, uh, Hachinov, who's made multiple hardcourt major semifinals. Um, for those to be the guys outside of the three highest seeds is why I look at this quarter and I say, wow, this is deep. This is deep here. And that makes it harder to, to pick an upset alert. And that's makes me more likely to go with the layup and bias. Uh, I will say Sebastian Corda, just real quick, I don't think he's reliable, right? I'm not down on him. I think he's dangerous, but I don't doubt his tendency to lose a match that he shouldn't lose from time to time. So I mention him, but ultimately I go with Baez for upset alert. Popcorn matches Demon versus Rownich. This should be on Rod Laver. You know, Demon deserves a really great reception from the Aussie crowd. Uh, there should be a lot of excitement around Demon Orr. Uh, this is the first time that I think he comes into the Australian Open. Maybe not the first time ever, but the first time in a long time where I think the thought can be, we have a guy who can make a run for us here. We have a guy who can maybe make the final weekend for us here. So I think the atmosphere should be electric. Um, and let's see what Roundach has. Apparently, he's been healthy, even though he's only played once since the U.S. Open, which was a Davis Cup match. I, I hear, I, it seems from what he said that he's been healthy all offseason. So that bodes well for Milos. I thought he might give Pas some issues at the, at the U.S. Open last year. Turns out he, he served terribly in that match. 46% first serve percentage in that match, and it wasn't a good match at all. If Raonic can use his weapon in a good way, and serve well, we could get a close match with a lot of tension, and we'll see what Milos Raonic, former top five player, can bring to the table. Frankly, I think Demon versus Arnaldi in the second round is more likely to deliver a great match, but this one should still have everybody's attention. Quarterfinal prediction. In Yannick Sinner's quarter is Sinner defeats Rublev. Let me start with Andre Rublev. He's actually got a bad draw. No two ways about it. I think there's just a lot of talent in his area and a lot of big weapons. Tiago Zabach-Vilch can't really win a match on a hard court, but still talent there. Eubanks, Sebastian Korda, and then fourth round, Nicholas Jari or Alex Demonor. I think it's going to be Demon. So every single round, to me, there's no reprieve there unless there's an upset, which there could be, but there's no break. I still trust Rublev, and how could you not? He's made five quarterfinals in his last six slams. He looked on point in Hong Kong, forehand and backhand. In terms of the Demon head-to-head, because that's a thinker, right? Everybody feels pretty good about the tennis that Demon is playing after the United Cup. I think it's a pretty good matchup for Rublev. I think he can overwhelm Demonor's forehand with pace. I think he can bring aggression on the second serve return. I think he'll be willing to play the extra shots that Demonor makes you play. I mean, yes, it's difficult finishing against Demon, but Rublev is, his patience and his consistency is is frankly underrated uh, because people don't associate those qualities with aggression. But uh, Rublev does marry those qualities with aggression. That's what makes him good. So I-, I do like Rublev over Dimonor. I do like him to make the quarterfinal. As for Yannick Sinner, he has a nice draw. Other than Botik van de Zanschult being a pretty tough first round, if Botic is at his best and he hasn't been at his best for a while. I think Dimonor sees Hatchinov in the fourth round. It could be Tiafo theoretically. Uh, but I think Hatchinov is a-, a better player in best of five. Uh, more physical, better focus, uh, better consistency, uh, might be able to bother Tiafoe's return of serve with the pace that he brings on his delivery in Hatchinov. Um, and then and then Rublev in the quarterfinals. My main thought looking at Yannick Center's section is this. There are a lot of consistent and reliable players here. A lot of players who you trust but nobody as dynamic and capable as Sinner if he's playing clean. So, you know, from Hatchinov to Rublev to Dimonor, these are all in best of five, especially tier two or tier three players who really just bring a lot of consistency to the table. I don't think that they are natural giant killers in terms of their, their tools, right? That's a good thing for Sinner. So I think it's up to Yannick if he plays his best. Let us go to Daniil Medvedev's quarter. He is the number three seed. It is Medvedev, Runa, Herkac, Dimitrov, Amber, Davidovich, Fakina, Oje Aliassime, and Greekspor. I'll say this before I get into the rest of it. This was the hardest quarter for me to predict. There are a lot of players at the top here that I feel very good about right now. Either coming into 2024, I thought their prospects were good or they showed me something last week that I really liked. So this was a tough one for me. Dark Horse, Roman Saffiland, upset alert, you go on bear, early popcorn, OJ Asim versus team in round one. Start with uh, Dark Horse Roman Saffilin, uh, who plays Talon Greeks pour first round. And this is one of those upset alerts where I actually do think there's a better than 50% chance that Saffilin wins. Whereas, for example, when you look at Shelton versus Bautista Agut, I don't think that there's a greater than 50% chance that RBA is going to win that match. I would put it at maybe like 60-40, which still means Shelton is upset alert, but it's not over 50. This is one of those cases where I think it's over 50% that the seed loses. I favor Safulin, who really popped for me in Brisbane. Just thought he played excellent tennis there. He is 5-7 and seven in the bigger picture in the last year against top 20 opponents. Last two tournaments, he's beaten Alcaraz and Shelton. He's got a ground game that applies a lot of pressure. When he's not missing, it's very Rublev-like, constant pace. Taking the ball early. He's a good volleyer as well. A couple of guys worthy of a shout out here as well for Dark Horse. Arthur Feast. He feels like he's due for his first slam run. Young player on the rise, obviously. And uh, Zheng Zhijian. Started with a lot of tough matches at United Cup. So he's taken a couple of losses already this year. But I think he's dangerous as a power baseliner. And uh, I do think that he will finish the year well inside the top 50 if all goes well. Well, upset alert is Hugo Umber. Now, there was a withdrawal for Umber. I don't know what the health situation is, but that's actually not the reason why I slotted him in for upset alert. It certainly doesn't, you know, it certainly gives me even more reason to put him here, but it's not the only reason. The real reason is that if you look at the patterns over the course of Hugo Umber's career, this is a prove it moment. He has had some trouble dealing with success. In the past, he's never been able to maintain his best tennis for more than a couple of months at a time. And, you know, he did to a large extent do that for the first time in 2023. Now you flip the calendar and it's another challenge here uh, because you lose some of that confidence and that momentum and you wipe the slate clean. And he's coming off of a big title in Mets, and that must have felt really good for him. Cathartic almost, because that's where he grew up. But now let's see how he turns the page. Here's the stat for Umbert. He is 1-7 in seven in his career as a seeded player at SLAMS. The last six major events that Umbert has come in as a seeded player, he has lost in the first round. That's why he's on upset alert. Early popcorn is FAA versus team. Two former top 10 players. Neither of them are very close to the top 10 right now, but there's going to be some attention on this first round match. Someone has to win. Felix lost to Altmaier in Auckland. That's not a very good loss on a hard court. Uh, Team played well against the set for a set against Nadal, but it hasn't been a very uh, encouraging start to 2024 for Dominic. If I'm looking at this match, ultimately, I think this is more important for Felix. And I think Felix should be a better player right now than team. And that's kind of uh, exactly the reason why I think team will win. Because I don't think it comes down to who has better ability right now. I think it comes down to who handles the nerves better. And I actually trust Dominic a little bit more than Felix. Because I think Felix has more riding on this. And and team at this point is um, is starting to kind of fly under the radar in a way. So I, I have a feeling team who who did play well at the U.S. Open last year until he got sick and had the straight set win over Bublik in the first round. I I pick him against Felix here. Let's see what happens. Quarterfinal prediction in Daniil Medvedev's quarter, which, as I said, was for me the most difficult quarter to predict. I am going with Grigor Dimitrov defeats Holger Runa to make his first major semifinal since... 2019, when he made the semis at the U.S. Open. That said, his best slam, I actually thought it might be Wimbledon. It's not Wimbledon. It's the Australian Open, where he's gone quarterfinals or better on four separate occasions. That's way better than any of the the other majors. At the other three majors, he's been quarterfinals or better a combined twice. So this is his best major. And there's a lot to like, there's a lot to love, I should say about the way he started the year in Brisbane. And man, I I can't say enough about the level that he played in Brisbane. It was absolutely phenomenal. And it's a continuation of great tennis that we saw him play at the end of 2023. But let, let me go through this quarter in a little bit more depth because it did come down to head to head matchups for me. First of all, Everyone except Daniil Medvedev has pretty tough third rounds, and that's something to watch out for. I'm talking about Runa versus Safulin. I'm talking about Herkoch versus Zhang Zhijian. I'm talking about Dimitrov versus Davidovich Fikina. Medvedev, I have Alexander Muller. Now let's go to the fourth round. I'm going Runa over Herkoc. You know, I'm not really sure how Holger deals with the big server, no rhythm archetype you know, that, that brings to the table. Um, I I will say, I I think Hubie, even though the results might not really stand out at United cup, I I loved what I saw. I I do think the forehand has turned a corner and, uh, I, after watching him at United cup, I feel even better about my top 10 prediction, keeping Herkacz in the top 10, um, but Hubie's resume at majors is really bad for, for how good he is. So there's a mental hurdle there that I think is a real thing. And, you know, for Runa, he won't have to deal with the oppressive heat and it'll slow down her serve. Those things are all positives for Holger. And ultimately he has got a more well-rounded, more dynamic game. And I think if Holger does the right things on court from a, a game plan standpoint and there's steadiness and there's focus, he should win the match. Uh, Those are ifs. I mean, this is a very interesting matchup. I'm going Dimitrov over Medvedev. They've played three set matches the last two times and they've split. I came so close to uh, picking Dimitrov over Medvedev in in Paris and didn't quite do it. This time I'm going to do it. I feel that once you figure out patterns and plays that work against Medvedev, execute it for a full match and you beat him, a lot of players who do that are able to repeat it and do it again and there are players like Nick Kyrgios and Hubert Hurkacz and Alex de who are inferior players to Medvedev but pretty consistently when they go head to head not that those guys win every time when they play Medvedev but pretty consistently it's close they can push him i like the net rushing that Dimitrov brings to the table. I like the slice. I love the short angle, inside out forehand. I like the speedy defense. I think he's got enough there against Anil. And then it just comes down to the mental thing, which I'm going to talk about in a moment. Because when it comes down to Dimitrov versus Runa, it's a rematch of Brisbane. I mean, Grigor was so rock solid. In that match, so clean offensively with his first serve and his forehand. But it's not really about Brisbane. It's about managing. If they play at a major, I think you can kind of throw a lot of that stuff aside. It's about managing a big best of five major quarterfinal mentally. And who's in better position to do that? Well, Runa is volatile in his decision-making and his emotions. But Dimitrov tightens up in big matches pretty consistently. Who do I think is more likely to not get in their way mentally? I I think it's Grigor. I think the confidence that he has built up overrides the nerves and he rides this wave into the semis, earning revenge for Wimbledon as well when when he had some real chances to beat Runa and didn't get it done. So uh, that is how I got to Dimitrov over Runa to make the semis in this quarter. Lastly... The number two seed, Carlos Alcaraz. Top seeds, Alcaraz, Zverev, Rude, Paul, Nori, Struf, Bublik, and Lahechka. My dark horse here is Jack Draper. My upset alert is Alexander Bublik. And my early popcorn match is Evans versus Sanego in round number one. Jack Draper was going to be a dark horse. It didn't matter what quarter he was in it didn't matter what his draw was what the matchup was he was going to be a dark horse i'm all in on on draper this year he's kind of my guy this year you guys who saw the top 10 prediction video you know that that i expect him to be a borderline top 10 player in 2024 and uh, as an unseeded player this is a layup for me he went 17 and 10 last year despite having a stop start stop start season It sounds like he's had a good off-season, and that's the most important thing considering the health issues that he's had. And tennis-wise, I wanted him to improve his forehand. He already has a great backhand, really good serve, really good volleys, good movement for his size. I wanted to see the forehand get better. Well, it has been amazing in Adelaide this week. His forehand shot quality, and I'm going to use metrics here from Tennis Viz, Tennis Data Innovations, uh, special tennis insights from them. His forehand shot quality rated as an 8.7 in Adelaide when his career average is 7.8 and the tour average is 7.6. So that shows you that throughout Draper's career, his forehand has been slightly above tour average, which if you're looking at him to be a top player, that's not really a good thing. In Adelaide, it's been up around up around the elite forehands. That's what I wanted to see. So I am super, super high on Jack Draper, needless to say. Upset alert is Bublik. His expectations are maybe higher than a typical 31 seed. So I don't feel like I'm just throwing in the towel here and giving the lowest seed. And that's my upset alert. I just think the best of five is hard for him for mental reasons, the consistency and the focus and the effort level. I think it's tough for him in the, in the longer format, um, the colder temperatures won't, won't help. You know, that hurts his serve Win percentage for his career in best of five, five percentage points lower than best of three. And you might think that's not a lot. I don't know what kind of is sample size is pretty big at this point. And a lot of the times, Bublik has been seated at these majors, not always, but a lot. And when you're seated at the majors, you're pretty much guaranteed to play lower ranked opponents than you do first couple matches at like a master's. So, you know, arguably your win percentage should be the same, if not higher. He'll get a qualifier round one. So I don't know who his first round opponent is at the moment. Uh, then Mackie McDonald or Jerry Shang round two. Both of them have some real talent. Uh, McDonald has in the past had some really good results at the Australian Open. Jerry Shang looked really good in Hong Kong. He is ascendant. Popcorn match. This is, this is a bit of a different one, huh? In uh, Senego versus Dan Evans. None of the seeds have particularly interesting openers. There aren't any clashes between big names. And also, my my previous three popcorn matches all kind of have some sort of like injury storyline, or like I don't know. We have Roundich and Berrettini and uh, Team and FAA. How about how about players who are not you know not basing it off of what these guys have accomplished in the past? This one's about the present. Here is. A matchup between two guys who are almost definitely going to bring a top 50 level against each other in the first round. They've been seated at majors before. It's like a 50 50 match. It has five sets written all over it. Senego is fun to watch compete. Evans, really interesting and fun play style. I just like this match. This is one on an outer court that the aficionados should be watching. And with that, let's get to the final quarterfinal prediction before we get to the final weekend. I have Carlos Alcaraz defeating Alexander Zverev. We'll start with Alcaraz. I have him playing Jack Draper in the fourth round. Um, Yeah, I think it could be a really good match, especially if Alcaraz isn't at his very best. But uh, Carlos should have a physical edge, especially because I think Draper will will probably go all the way in in Adelaide. And even if he, you know, didn't go all the way, the physical thing would be in the background as uh, a box that you would check for Alcaraz. So that could be the difference there. Uh, Fourth round on the other side, I have it, Rude versus Zverev. And this is one that I did think about a little bit torn because Rude, he is in a nice spot here. He's got both confidence and also a chip on the shoulder underdog mentality, which is historically, that's when he plays well in his career. Kasparud plays well when people don't expect a lot out of him. And that's the position he's in now. But he's also got some results that he should feel really, really good about at United Cup, taking on you know, really solid players and not just beating them, but beating them in straights on hard court. He's also beaten Zverev twice in a row. So, uh, you know, there was quite a bit pulling towards Rude, but I got to go with Zverev. I just think the the ceiling and the floor is higher on a hard court. And, uh, you know, Rude has never made the quarterfinals at the Australian Open. Zverev has done it twice. He's got a semifinal here this is a rare instance where I'm going to look at the serve as a significant difference maker in the matchup. And um, I'm just feeling Zverev here. I think um, for Alcaraz, big picture. I think he was drained last year. He's shown that he improves well in off seasons. He should be refreshed and energized. I expect to see better focus in his matches and his talent to shine. When it comes to the Zverev head to head specifically, I just don't think Sasha is able to challenge him well enough from the baseline, uh, generally speaking. And uh, as long as Alcaraz has some level of consistency from the back, I feel like the points are always on his racket. Um, especially when they get into neutral positions and man, there's so much kind of hinging on Zverev to just have a phenomenal, phenomenal serving performance. And that includes not just making a high percentage of first serves, but also hitting spots because what we saw from Alcaraz last year is that, um, he will pawn it. He will put first serve returns back in play against big servers, uh, when they don't hit their spots. With that, let's get to the final weekend prediction. Revealing in three, two, one. Djokovic defeats Sinner in four sets. Alcaraz defeats Dimitrov in four sets. And Djokovic defeats Alcaraz in four sets. I back Yannick Sinner to do a little bit better than he did at Wimbledon. It is. better version of Sinner. There's more under his belt. He's made certain improvements. He serves better, but I still have questions about how he stacks up mentally with Novak in a big major semifinal. And certainly that played out at Wimbledon with a really erratic forehand performance from Yannick. I don't look again. I think he'll do better, but do I think that that part of things is completely smoothed over? Uh, No, like I, I know we've seen very consistent performances from Sinner indoors, but I need to see a level of consistency and reliability and nerve management outdoors, big match, best of five before I can fancy him to take out Novak, even if Sinner's best level can really push Djokovic, which is what we saw last year. So I think Djokovic comes back wins this Australian Open semifinal, hypothetically. Alcaraz over Dimitrov. I think in some ways, Alcaraz can be a bad matchup for Grigor um, with the way Carlitos tends to handle backhand slice, uh, with the way he tends to handle uh, variety in general, with the way he can kind of um, scramble against Dimitrov's serve plus one and get him into neutral positions and then start to get to that one-handed backhand in baseline rallies. Um, But also, I don't fully trust Dimitrov once he gets to the final weekend to just continue to play loose and free like we've been seeing him play. Unfortunately, his whole career has been a struggle in terms of accomplishing that. And usually that doesn't get better with age. Um, It's one thing to do it in the quarters against Holger, it's another thing to do it, I think in a semi against Alcaraz. Um, So Alcaraz over Dimitrov in four sets and then Djokovic over Alcaraz in four sets. Um, First of all, I I do trust Djokovic quite a bit more than Alcaraz from a reliability standpoint just to get to this point. Uh, You know, there are some question marks with Alcaraz just because we haven't seen it with our eyes in about six months. You know, Carlitos playing at an elite level every single match from start to finish at a tournament, right? Just that, we haven't seen in about six months. So that alone should make you a little bit skeptical here when you compare him with Novak Djokovic, who's been phenomenal uh, in that same stretch. I still think ultimately big picture in the djokovic Alcaraz head head-to-head, we're gonna see a little bit of a reversal back to what we thought it was going to be from a condition standpoint. I know we got some curveballs last year. I don't know that we're going to keep getting the curveballs, and it really should be Djokovic on the quicker, lower bouncing stuff, uh, having an easier time, Alcaraz uh, having an easier time on the slower, higher bouncing stuff against Novak. Uh, Plus, this is the Australian Open. Novak Djokovic has won this thing 10 times. He gets a special boost. He gets a special benefit of the doubt. He gets a special level of respect when he comes to Melbourne to start the year because over and over again, he shows that this is generally going to be the very best version of Novak Djokovic at this event. And with that, I have Novak Djokovic winning that final in four sets, winning his 11th Australian Open title. Excited to bring you coverage of the Australian Open over the course of the next two weeks. Hope you enjoyed. Don't forget to subscribe. I'll see you next time.